Hey everybody, producer Dave here. We're live Wednesday through Sunday on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash media. Enjoy the show. Don't forget to follow us on social media for beautiful food and inspiration.
right, everybody, welcome to Down Ballot, apparently the number 11 politics podcast in California. Um, you can support this project at patreon.com slash echoplex, eddieplex.store, or just go to echoplexmedia.com, click that support tab, and find other ways to support the show. I'm producer Dave, uh, blowing up your grinder grid here in the south side for a couple more weeks, and then I'll be uh, blowing up the grinder grid in the south portion of the East Bay after this. And what's up? This is the councilman. You can find me on Twitter if it's still there at T H E underscore councilman. I think it's still there. I did tweet a couple hours ago, uh, but it was through Hootsuite. So, you know, you never know. Uh, and uh, you can find me typically uh, lurking around in the backyard, trying to see if I can create an easement between my yard and yours so that I can get to the liquor store a little bit faster. <laughs> so we're up. Uh, there'll be two more. I think no. This will next week will be the uh, last episode of Down Ballot from uh, this location. My goodness, uh, should we like get a cake or something? No. no. Okay. I mean, it'll probably because be a hundred, probably a hundred degrees, and the cake will just fucking melt. Yeah. Well, it's also a bad baby's birthday too, so we will have a cake regardless. Oh well, that that's adorable. Do, Isn't it though? Is the bad baby old enough to even understand or enjoy a cake? You know, we were debating that. Um, the baby has not yet uh, really eaten anything of that nature, uh, that's solid, really. Um, maybe a couple little rice treats of some sort that dissolve in, in the mouth. Uh, but uh, So I, I don't know that the, a cake will be eaten. It might be destroyed. That, that might be something we allow baby to do. She really likes to destroy things, so uh, we'll, we'll see. But, well, uh, you but could have, you could have a little party and you and the good wife could enjoy a, a, a cake of your choice. That's what I thought. I thought we could let baby just destroy a cake and then we would eat it because I, tip, I she knows I cannot, my wife knows I cannot stand uh, to see food go to waste. So um, yeah, and even if it was a smash cake, I, I would probably eat the, the whole thing. Well, that's, that's, that's enough of this. The other thing I wanted to mention about, we, I think the reason we're the number 11 podcast and not the number nine is because we just blew through episode 100 of this like a few months ago and just like with like no fanfare. I didn't even bust out a kazoo or anything. No, no, and uh, and it's really because we talk about baby cakes. That's really what why we get so many likes and so many downloads and so many listens and views and subs. So thank you all, listener and viewer. We really appreciate you. So Anything what do we got for uh, leading off this week? Well, um, we're going to do a little callback. Uh, so loyal listener slash viewer might recall uh, that we uh, covered an art gallery owner in San Francisco who was not very keen on uh, an unhoused person taking some refuge in front of their gallery and decided to hose them with their hose. So this is the recompense that they got. Unfortunately, they're not going to prison, but you know, at least they have to do something. Taking a look around the Bay now, you might remember this video from January showing a San Francisco gallery owner spraying a homeless woman in with a hose in the face. This video. Oh, I feel like I'd be I'd feel like I'd be next to this guy at community service if I saw that shit. Hours of community service. Days after that video got traction online, 72-year-old Shannon Collier Gwynn was arrested. He faced misdemeanor battery charges. District Attorney Brooke Jenkins says even though prosecutors wanted more hours of community service, she said the agreement brings a sensible resolution to the case. What? She would. Well, we all know Brooke Jenkins is tough on crime, right? Except when it comes to white people spraying unhoused individuals in the face with a garden hose. Like, I feel like if somebody has no shelter, that's more than like, I don't know, like, uh, simple assault or whatever. I think that there's a little more 
<clears throat> like, cause they, they have no shelter. And so you just yeah, sprayed I mean, them down. And I, if I remember that was during the winter, right? Yeah. And I, especially given what the, the individual was wearing, right. Um, as far as, as, far as the warm clothing. Um, yeah. And but, but also indigent people, you know, folks who are living on the street, they don't have access to lawyers or any money at all to defend themselves. Right. Or even the capacity to defend themselves sometimes because they can't physically make it to court. Um, for a court date, or they they have no address. So how are you going to know? You know how are you going to serve them? So uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a lose lose situation uh, for for that individual and for all of the folks who are living on uh, on our streets these days. And it would be great to see a little more compassion out there. But um, you know, I, I think we should recall the DA if she's not willing to really prosecute this person to the full extent of the law. Um, so I'm going to start circulating a petition to recall Brooke Jenkins for not being tough uh, on crime. Correct, and reinstall Chase Boudin, um, and and also Harvey Milk. <laughs> Harvey because Milk why, dead because why the fuck not? Harvey Milk dead. Also, Harvey Milk's a bit of a problem, but maybe we'll get in <laughs> get into that another time. Zombie Harvey Milk. All right, cool. Well, yeah, I, absolutely. Let's do a whole episode. Frankly, uh, uh, Harvey Milk Day next year, May of next year. Sure, we'll or pr- for Pride, we can do the uh, we can do the, we can do the we can do the why Dave thinks Harvey Milk is a problem. There we go. <laughs> All right, so well, what do we got for winners and losers? What do we got up first? Well, leading right out of that, actually, uh, so the San Francisco city attorney has been hearing a lot, and this is not Brooke Jenkins. This is the person who def- uh, the district attorney prosecutes criminals. The city attorney defends the city. Um, uh, they are hearing a lot about the city's policies related to unhoused individuals, and advocates are uh, calling on uh, the city attorney to uh, you know, change the policies and help change the policies, but the city attorney is saying, no, we're good. People can spray them in the homeless face. Advocates with advocates in San Francisco houses. say the city is still carrying out homeless encampment sweeps despite an order from a federal judge. Now, the city says that those allegations are, quote, riddled with falsehoods and that they are doing nothing wrong. This comes after a federal judge ruled that the city can't move people off the street unless they're offered alternate housing. Betty Yu has more. San Francisco is firing back at homeless advocates who claim that the city is violating a temporary injunction that prevents workers from clearing encampments until it has thousands more shelter beds. The Coalition on Homelessness and other plaintiffs first sued the city last year, alleging that San Francisco sweeps encampments to drive out homeless people. And in response to neighborhood complaints, a federal judge ruled in the nonprofit's favor in December. This week, City Attorney David Chu filed a brief to clear the record. We have workers that are reaching out to thousands of unhoused individuals every single year. Uh, And this order has made it much more difficult to address the homelessness crisis on our streets. It's frankly put San Francisco in an impossible situation. Chu said the city has gone to great lengths to comply with the injunction. The mayor also stated that in the last five years, the city has increased the amount of shelter and housing for the homeless by 50%. One of the issues in this lawsuit is what constitutes whether someone is, quote, involuntarily homeless. We don't think that if a person refuses shelter, or a person has alternative shelter, uh, that that should uh, that should prevent us from being able to address the situation on our streets. The overall sentiment of the of the laws in place are really about you know we want to um, it's not um, it's it's cruel and unusual punishment to criminalize someone when they have no other choice but to be on the streets. 
On Saturday, Mayor London Breed said the injunction should be overturned while the city fights the lawsuit in court. Cities can't operate this way. San Francisco leads with offers of shelter, but when people refuse to accept these offers, they shouldn't be allowed to remain on the street, she tweeted. This mm. mayor's doing what other mayors across the country and other mayors in San Francisco have done, and that is shifting blame from their own shoulders onto the backs of homeless people. Um, whose backs, frankly, are already sore from sleeping on the sidewalk. Chu said since the Dang. order went into place about a year and a half ago, homeless advocates have not been able to show a single instance of the city arresting anyone under any of the relevant laws. We have an incredible crisis of homelessness on our streets, and it is continuing to create significant public health issues, public safety issues uh, for residents in San Francisco, and it's made it very difficult for us to get help to the people who need help. So I, I would, I think this is gonna, this is probably one of those things where people have it fucking backwards, right? Or upside down. It's gonna be one of those things like where folks think that uh, people who uh, struggle with their mental health are more likely to be uh, criminals, but uh, the, mm -hmm. the car's going the other way. They're more likely to be the victims of crime, especially violent crime. And I wonder, is that the same thing with people who don't have housing? Are they, is it not that they're more likely to be the criminal, but they're more likely to be the victim of uh, violent crime? Well, very much so. At least statistics, very much so, sorry. Statistics show that, you know, uh, unhoused people commit crimes actually at a lower clip than housed people. Um, so right there, uh, debunked um and yes uh they all are also incredibly uh, vulnerable to crime um because they have no very little security at all to any of their possessions or their life their well-being or uh, their families even um if you're living in a, a you know a car or if you're living in a tent um you're you're incredibly susceptible to um uh, all, all manner <laughs> of of bad behavior so uh, yeah and and people taking advantage of you um so it very true and uh the 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 characterization of folks refusing shelter right just because they didn't want to go to the place that you're trying to take them right um probably a you know shitty cot in a gymnasium where they can't go with their family or they maybe they can't bring their pet or they can't bring their family or their kids or kids go somewhere else um it may not be the most ideal situation you're offering them and yes uh they may have a little bit of PTSD and or uh, mental uh, uh, fatigue from living on the streets in the first place, right? So um, I, again, we're not really leading with compassion. We're, it seems like we're leading a lot these days with cleaning up the streets and getting the icky people out of the way and just, you know, again, brushing them under the rug and, and forgetting about it. And it's, it's really sad that this has been allowed to persist. And it's also been allowed to persist by Democrats and AKA progressives, right? folks who were supposed to be uh, a little more aligned with a more compassionate, humane approach to so that's, that's the most frustrating thing. It's not like we're in the, in the middle of some sort of conservative bastion of America. This is supposed to be the most progressive place on the planet just about. So it's really frustrating to see that kind of shit here. So when they mentioned or alternative housing and I, <clears throat> you know, I don't know what that means when the city offers housing or they said alternative housing, you know, that, that could be like, sure. They have an opportunity to live somewhere, but maybe that's a situation they left like because they felt like they had to. Right. Or it's just not an ideal situation for them. Right. Like they can't, you know, it's very real. Right. You know, uh, folks can't sometimes can't take their pets with them. And that's a very, it's a huge thing to, to folks. Um, it's like their only, it's their only companion. It's their child. Right. They can't take their pets with them. Sometimes they can't, 
uh, get certain amenities or certain needs met that, that that they really do need. And it's just sometimes it's not an ideal situation or they don't have a place. A lot of the times they don't have places to, to take folks except for shelters. And a shelter is not a home. A shelter is not a, a four walls and a bed. Um, that's the basics, really. Um, so uh, it's understandable why folks might refuse the shit situation that we're trying to put them in, taking them out of one shit situation, putting them in another shit, shitty situation, say that three times fast, and you know, expecting some sort of miraculous result, right? We need to improve their lives. We need to create situations that are better that they want to go to, right? Incentivize wanting to go to it. We talk about transportation, right? It needs to be cheaper and more efficient and get you where you need to go. Same with housing, right? It needs to be something that's desirable, that's 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 incentivized for them to take. And and folks will take you up, take you up on it if you offer them something that's high, that's of quality, that's that's not just some trivial, you know, handout. So I've been on and off arguing with uh, UBI weirdos on um, Twitter. I'm not against the idea of a UBI, right? But I think it's like a, a ways down the down the path, right? Mm -hmm. I I think without a housing guarantee, a UBI is just a subsidy to the landlords, um, a subsidy and or a subsidy to those who already own property, right? Right. Because if, it's, it's, if you have a mortgage and your mortgage rate's fixed, well, then you just get to keep that UBI. So. Until we do a housing guarantee and probably healthcare, like I don't see a UBI doing anything but, you know, uh, help helping those who don't need the help. Yeah, um, Santa Clara County. I I didn't put it on the docket tonight, but because uh, it was more of a kind of a feel good story in a way. But um, we don't normally do those things. But Santa Clara County started a program for foster youth and and, and high school um, age foster youth uh, or former foster youth. Uh, for a general basic income. Um, I forget what the parameters are. We can have it on next week's down ballot, but um, just FYI, that, that is happening in some limited way, but certainly not in some sort of blanket universal way, except in, I think, Stockton or one of those, one of those cities out there in the Central Valley is trying it out. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, that, if it's not housing first, then it's, then it's just, I think it's, this is one of those things where it's kind of a binary it's either housing first or law enforcement first. And those are kind of your two choices. And I feel like people want to kind of split the difference. And it's then when you try to split the difference, you're just doing law enforcement first. Right. And, and you're really just lying. You're lying to one side or the other. Um, so yeah, the housing first model is uh, really the way I think a lot of us in, in our sort of, you your my value circle um, seem to be headed. Um, and but it, it, again, it comes back to winning elections, right? The, the fundamental problem we're facing is that these folks, you know, like London Breed and others and Gavin Newsom now, where obviously, he, you know, he wants to be president, right? So they've always been looking at these higher offices and they're always looking at what's the thing that's going to get me there. And they they see this broad swath of folks who still cling to this, uh, you know, public safety, more guns, more cops, more boots on the ground is going to save me and, and keep me and keep me safe, right? Keep my family safe. Um, this sort of fundamental base, visceral nature of voters. I really, we, we, I always hope that that's just going to fade, right? And people will get, you know, it will just evolve. But uh, who, but it doesn't seem to be happening. And that that sect is always there, and they're just taking advantage of it. And it's that's even makes it even more disgusting. Is that a lot of this stuff is politically based? It's not based around helping people or solving problems. It's around helping these people get elected to their next office and to perpetuate the cycle of. Uh, of self-flagellation. 
So uh, this uh, next story, <clears throat> it seems to me this is a guy that saw Batman and said, well, not really fascist enough for me. Well, this, this one strikes me as if this guy were not white, he would be dead. Right. At the hands of the cops. <laughs> anyway, let's watch. People are, yeah, people are probably wondering what the fuck we're talking about. So here's the, here's the story from ABC <laughs> Bay Area. Tonight, one man's way of trying to build a better Bay Area, although not one that police would recommend. Last year, San Francisco, uh, there were more than 20,000 reported thefts from vehicles. ABC 7 News reporter Luz Pena spoke with a San Francisco resident and business owner who has taken it upon himself to fight back and protect his neighborhood. She's in the newsroom with an interview and a story you'll see only on ABC 7. Luz? Yes, Dan, the San Francisco resident you're about to meet says he's hoping to help his neighborhood. At first, he was yelling at thieves who were breaking into cars. Now he's walking around the area hoping to scare them off. He's lived in San Francisco for over 20 years, and lately, oh instead God. of going by his legal name, people call him... I'm called Boots. Working from... <laughs> Outside rather than inside. The name for a cat. With a ski mask to protect his identity. Puss. Boots walks around his neighborhood, Fisherman's Wharf, looking like this, and with a non-lethal weapon on his waist that looks like a gun. His goal is to scare off thieves from breaking into cars. The criminals are getting to know us. I wouldn't call it an organized anything. It's just concerned <laughs> citizens. Every day is a small victory. You know, uh, you chase them off from one corner for years he's captured videos of car breakings and now he says frustration led him to take matters into his own hands he says he's doing it to help the area where he lives and owns a business the tourists aren't going to come here the business of some people that you know have lived here and uh, been here for their entire lives and it's not fair According to SFPD's incident data, on average, there are 67 thefts from vehicles every day in San Francisco. Outside of this brunch spot, employees see car breakings on a daily basis. They just leave all their stuff in there and then boom, shakalaka, less than five seconds, they grab your stuff and they're gone. <laughs> Many who work here share a common sense of helplessness. I'm frustrated too and you can't do anything. Yesterday, while Boots was walking in the area, SFPD arrested him for brandishing an imitation firearm. Yeah, that's totally illegal. Misdemeanor. We don't right? recommend anyone doing that. We understand everyone's frustration. Officers are frustrated in taking the number of police reports regarding auto burglaries occurring throughout the city. However, there is a system in place to do that. SFPD says they're short-staffed, but to Boots, even though he was arrested, he viewed this as another victory. While the police were there, there was nobody getting their car broken into for that half hour. There's no way to truly know if what he's doing is working. Uh, we met this couple from New York who did the unthinkable. I see your suitcases in the back. Yes, I guess we're lucky that nothing happened. Or maybe thieves are noticing. There is get the fuck some here. protection here. Oh my God. <laughs> Yo, you can't point a gun at somebody, even if it's not a real firearm. If they think you, it's real, you've committed a crime. You're brandishing a firearm. You can't even like openly carry it unless you have a permit, right? Like I, I, I as far as I know, that's so brandishing could just be he had it on his, you know, hip uh, and didn't even have it, you know, in his hand. Well, they had it holstered, but still. I mean, brandishing is different than possession. Brandishing is uh, basically uh, waving a gun around in a threatening manner. All right, fair enough. Fair um, enough. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, that it's regardless. Oh man, 
this is so problematic and I can't believe this guy is still alive since he was wearing a mask because he could have been black or Latino or anything else and he probably would have been shot. <laughs> but the fact that he's white, I don't know, maybe he's known around the neighborhood and the cops know him, but they're just like trying to teach him a lesson, maybe to get him to stop being an idiot. I don't well, know. Well, the thing is, like, well, the thing that's going to happen is he, he, okay, so he's walking around with an imitation gun, right? So um, you don't have to think too deeply to think of like what is one of the likely outcomes of this. <laughs> he's, he's walking uh, around with this imitation gun and then he runs into somebody who has a real one the person with the real it, one saw the news story and is like that's not a real gun yeah it's it's just not you know it's not going to end well no matter what that's why it's under winners and losers right it's 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 no matter what happens in this story it's not going to be a good ending or a happy ending and it, uh, man it's just so it's I understand uh, folks might you know be frustrated because they read next door too much, but it's really not that bad out there, man. Like we don't need Batman. We really don't, you know, we need some, we need some investment in our community. We don't need some dickhead dickhead walking around with a, a, a fake gun. Nonetheless, um, even worse, a fake gun and, and, and some sort of hockey, you know, hockey mask. Like it's the 4th of July mixed with uh, Halloween. Uh, so so I, ugh, disgusting. I, I feel I feel I feel angered on behalf of all straight white men. I we 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 don't know for sure that he's straight. That's true. That's true. But I just don't know. How, how uh, anyway? I um, sorry. I just I just don't like understand. Like there was <clears throat> there was a time uh, in the '90s when crime was a lot higher in um, m- almost every major city in the United States. Mm. And some of the the answers were citizen patrols, but the citizen patrols were things like they called themselves the guardian angels or whatever. And they got a group of 10 or 12 dudes and they walked around unarmed and just walked around the neighborhood at night. Just that's all they did. They walked around the neighborhood at night and fucking, on the neighborhood. That's it. That's all they did. And people liked that because they weren't, they weren't, they were getting together with other people in their community. They were unarmed and, um, they're just walking around. Yeah, there's a lot up. to be said. A lot to be said for just putting eyes on the community, right? And just putting putting people out there to so folks know that someone's watching, right? Because at the end of the day, I don't think that the whatever the folks that are going to be committing crimes, I don't know that they worry so much about whether or not it's the police or it's their neighborhood. In fact, they're probably a little more worried about their neighbors, like calling them out or you know catching them doing some dirty shit, right? Um, so uh, yeah, just put some eyes out there. And that's all you need to do. And get to know your neighbors. Say hello. Let's have a block party. Let's get to know everybody and, and see if we can all stop these crimes together. Well, Neighborhood watch, Styly. That's not a bad lead into the next one because people did some version of a block party and they got fucking the fucking the San SWAT Francisco. team or whatever came for them. That's fucking crazy. Well, that's that's what happens in San Francisco. I didn't mean to say in San Francisco. I mean my work in San Jose, but in SF, you know that obviously things are different there. <laughs> but let's find out what happened. We demand oversight. We want answers. A rally outside San Francisco City Hall. Demonstrators pushing back against police after an unsanctioned skateboarding event ended with dozens of arrests, including minors. At the end of the day, don't forget, you are our public servants. And these are people's children. And let's just figure out a way to compromise. 
Community outrage at tonight's police commission meeting. Good evening. I'm Julie Hayner. And I'm Mike Meebach. San Francisco Police and Mayor London Breed say safety was indeed their main priority during the Dolores Park safety event. Safety first. KTVU Zach Sauce live tonight in the city. Zach, packed meeting tonight. Yeah, and included in that meeting, uh, a number of kids who were arrested that day at the Dolores Hillbaum addressing the commission, uh, along with several of their parents, uh, their message essentially, police overstepped. Protect our young people. Protect our young people. A rally Wednesday outside of City Hall following the mass arrest of more than 80 minors and 30 adults at a skateboarding event in the Mission District. We're calling for the police commission to uh, have an independent community-led investigation. Attorney Rachel Letterman considering filing a civil lawsuit on behalf of those detained at Saturday's Dolores Hill bomb, but city leaders, including the mayor, defending the department's response this morning, saying officers took necessary action to stop a dangerous event. The police what? did what they felt they had to do, and I know um, that there are people who are upset about that, but we have a responsibility uh, to protect the public. Police say From skateboarders launched fireworks yes. and officers overran the neighborhood, cut an officer and vandalized muni cars, causing more than $70,000 in damage. Dozens of parents who lined up for public comment at a San Francisco Police Commission meeting Wednesday say the department's response was overkill. First, the de-escalation, as everybody has said. My, I don't know why my child wasn't arrested. He sat on the ground until 1 a.m. in the morning. No. They took his phone. He wasn't allowed to call me. I didn't know where he was. Several minors arrested, also addressing the commission. They never told us why we were being detained or anything. They just, they just told us to sit down and shut up. I sat there as we yelled at the cops to help a 12-year-old kid who was shivering in the cold because he was kept outside for five hours. They did nothing. Police Chief Bill Scott, who so far has defended his officers' actions, keeping his comments brief. We understand the frustration. We understand the questions. So, and next week, we will release the videos and have a detailed account of everything that happened. But several members of the police commission already promising accountability. I'm embarrassed for our city. I am embarrassed for the actions that this department took to criminalize an activity that an outlet for young people. It is clear to me that we need an internal affairs investigation. And unclear right now when that internal investigation might take place, but we're likely to learn a lot more about what transpired transpired that day during next week's police commission meeting. Uh, Chief Scott, Bill Scott, expected to deliver a full report along with body cam footage. Mike. All right, a meeting will be at Zach Sauce live in San Francisco. Zach, yo, I've been to this. This is just a fucking hill bomb. Like the whole fucking the whole neighborhood comes out. Yo, this is just a fucking, yeah. This is just a thing they've been doing it forever. Yep. And Lord knows why the SFPD decided to make a big stink out of this particular one. There was nothing necessarily going on that wasn't happening already. And frankly, if you don't poke the bear, the bear don't poke you. So, oh, you're upset about like damage to your cars and your your the muni bus? Then fine. Like maybe don't try and shut down a fun community event that's not harming anybody. Yeah, I don't. You know? I don't think I'd ever heard of any 
I mean, you know, you get enough people together, somebody's going to do like some, somebody's going to do something stupid, throw a bottle sure. or whatever. Sure, but like at the ball game happens too, right? Like right, the, right. the sanctioned well, thing where never, you're buying ten to ten thousand well, dollar beers, right? Yeah. You know, t- temper. You know, people just got passionate about the sporting event council. But I mean, I, oh I've, I've been to this. I've been to this like more than once, and it just it felt like like I could I didn't it didn't occur to me that there I was at an unsafe thing. Sure, they're doing like a hill bomb, and some people are going to fall. You know, maybe somebody breaks their arm or whatever. But people break their arm on skateboards and bicycles and fucking all the time. People fucking injure themselves doing sports because that's it's all true. this is is sports, right? Right. It's true. And speaking of sports, someone got stabbed at Levi Stadium just the other day at a soccer match. So you know, like. It, it seems a lot more dangerous to go to a, an organized sporting event than to go to a, com- a community-led uh, you know, sporting event that's really accessible to anyone who's got a board. Just get out there. It looked, really, it looked pretty fun to me. I'm not even a boarder. So no, I mean, I, I don't be. skateboard. It was just like it was, it was like I, the first time I went was when I lived when I lived like in the <clears throat> when I lived like in the Castro. We went over there. It was just because mm-hmm. it was happening. It was like, yeah, it was like, well, this is happening. Let's go. Right. That's that, and that's how it is in a city, right? We talk a lot about living in the city, right? Uh, and the things that, you know, some people just ain't really accustomed to or comfortable with or, you know, ready to, to live with. Um, but in this this is sort of one of them. <laughs> it's like everyone needs to vent. Everyone needs a, a, a valve to release, right? Everyone needs that, that, that sort of um, moment of zen. Uh, and that's what it is for uh, for this community and you've pretty much like threw a bunch of riot police wearing you know masked policemen uh up into that situation and of course it's going to end up you know going a little sideways what did you expect like i can't when i saw this i was like no because i saw it on twitter right because you know mm-hmm. i was like i saw it on facebook too and i was like something's not right here and then i found out i'm like oh no it's just the cops Though that's what's mm-hmm. not right here. I thought. I thought like. I thought like what was being reported was false or sure. Like this. I think. I think they didn't do it one or two years during the height of COVID, but I think it's like been every year otherwise. And I was like, why? What? Like when I went, I kind of thought it was like permitted or whatever. Like I assumed that it was a thing where there was a permit, right? And if that's not the case, maybe the city should issue a permit. <laughs> for well, this more than likely, permits, yeah, permits probably you know cost prohibitive for you know kids trying to put these things on. But yeah, absolutely, that doesn't mean they can't make it free, right? Just here, fill out this quick one-page form, and yeah, you have your event, and we'll we'll send cops to like keep you safe, right? And to make sure you don't bust your ass right. on, like, on to the put, asphalt, to put, right? To put those barriers along the roads that would go across where you're going, so that people right. in cars know not to drive across your skateboard bomb. Right, you're not going to get smushed, right? Like that, we'll we'll do that. Um, but but all you have to do is fill out this quick form. Let us know who you are, where you live, who your parents are. You know what? <laughs> who do we come to if something does go sideways? But as long as nothing goes sideways and we're there to help you, like nothing should go sideways. If as long as the people that are there to keep us or to protect and serve and keep us safe, right? As long as they're there, what what could possibly go wrong? This sort of <laughs> reminds me of the one time I was at bike party and it they tried to break up a regroup, mm. and. Mm. <clears throat> People were just like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. It was like the the, the the what is it? The Montesoreno fucking county, whatever, up in Los Gatos. We had because it was like a West Side ride, and one of the regroups, uh, we thought it was in Campbell, and we'd never had any problem with like uh, law enforcement in Campbell regarding bike party. We just assumed that we were, but it turned out we were technically in Los Gatos, and it got broken uh, up, and people people were just confused. Yeah, that LG Montesoreno Police Department. 
Yeah, they, I think they have their own like joint police department. Um, yeah, yeah. People were just they were just absolutely fucking confused because they're like, "What do you? What do you? What? What? You know, like it was like the same year that I was at by that that like the that fucking Sam Licardo and his wife were dancing while I was DJing at a regroup at bike party. I'm like. Uh, man, to be fair, the dude dude could kind of cut a rug for an older guy. I'm, I'm not going to lie. He was in some sensible shoes and shit, too. Hey, you know, he he, he loves to get out and, and party down. He gets out to the jazz festival and other things, too. I see him out there a lot. So he, he, get, he gets his arts and culture, you know, fix, for sure. Yeah, I just, I, I bet the people, when the far, cops first showed up, I bet the people were like, oh, the cops are here. You know, they're just trying to see what's going on. And then they started fucking with people, and people were probably initially just very confused. That's typically how it happens, right? There's no inciting incident so much as just, you know, you put two groups of people that are kind of like oil and water in a way together um, in a contained space, right? With certain parameters of, you know, of a public, whatever you want to call it, decorum involved, right? And some shit's going to go down eventually. There's going to be some friction. Something's going to rub the wrong way. um, And those things don't tend to tamp down. They tend to ramp up. so not surprising, but I, I would imagine there's no one or one incident to blame at this. I mean, it's just, it's really the response. It's the philosophy. It's, it's the same as the, uh, you know, a lot of the, the George Floyd protests, especially in San Jose, right? It's the response. It's, it's what, uh, the, the level of response in relation to what you're responding to, right? Um, and, and whom you're responding to. So, uh, that's really what needs to change is and- that. This is philosophy. this is it. like this was happening right next to Dolores Park, where there's like unsanctioned and unpermitted events every weekend, all the time. Yeah, all there's the time. this huge party, like Our the bombs all the time. There's this huge party the, uh, the at Dolores Park Saturday, the Saturday before Pride. There ain't no official fucking nothing. Everybody just goes there and gets high, and people set up speakers, and like it's now what next year are they gonna bust that? Absolutely. Got to crack down. Got to clean up our city. Well, I think they're not going to bust that because of the optics of something like that, right? <laughs> they, they've been trying. They've been trying to rainbow wash the SFPD <laughs> for a while, you know. Right, right. So they're probably not going to bust that. No. Uh, up next is a sad story. Um, <clears throat> one of the main reasons this is a sad story is because, um, first of all, this Anchor Brewing Company. I mean, I don't like most of their beers, but. When people are like, oh, there's no, you know, there's no breweries in the Bay Area. I'm like, excuse me. First of all, we got Camino here in San Jose and their beers are on point. Then we got Anchor yeah, that's like a, like an institution. And, um, right. and that, ca- not, not for nothing, that California lager is probably one of the best hot day beers ever. And, Pretty uh, smooth. they're shutting. I don't know why they're shutting down. Um, oh, I mean, I, I think I know why some, probably some private equity firm bought them and <laughs> gave them. It was like, oh, here we have a bunch of debt now. This is Anchor Brewing's debt. I think that's probably oh. what happened. Well, we might learn more from this clip uh, from KPIX. Cold beer is usually a go-to when it's hot. But if you're looking for it at Anchor Brewing, be prepared for a long wait. It has suddenly become liquid gold for loyal fans looking to enjoy the last of it. Big crowds turned up at Anchor Public Taps in the city today, a day after parent company Sapporo announced that America's oldest Sapporo. is shutting down. The line snaked around the building full of people looking to snag the last pints, cases, and merch. 
we definitely had to come down, uh, get our hands on whatever anchor we could bring back home and, you know, come see the brewery and enjoy a steamed beer one last time here in San Francisco. It's very sad. I'm a native San Franciscan and I've been drinking the beer as long as I can remember. It's one of my favorites and it's um, like losing an old friend. I've been coming here and drinking for over 30 years. So if there's a standard bearer for beer, this was the place. And um, unfortunately, it went to corporate hell. Oh man, since Anchor has already brewed its last batch, there's also a run on grocery store and liquor stores in search of it. Bill Godwin tweeted out that he grabbed basically the last four cases of Anchor beer at Costco. David Gallagher tweeted out that he went to the South City Costco to grab his beer and learned someone had bought an entire pallet of Anchor earlier in the day. And this person wrote, they bought two cases. It has been tougher for brewers to turn a profit with the craft beer market so saturated and amid the growing popularity of canned cocktails, hard seltzers and wines. According to the Brewers Association, overall U.S. beer sales slid more than 3% last year. Wait, that ain't shit. <clears throat> and that's, that was, I think that's a correction from everybody drinking too much when they were stuck at home. Mm-hmm. 3% ain't shit. Yo, I, I, I think this, this name has enough power and enough like nostalgia in the Bay Area that I think we're going to end up hearing a good story eventually about this. Well, I hope so. Let's let's see. Uh, but yeah, so it's Sapporo, apparently the corporate owner of uh, Anchor Brewing uh, Company. Uh, so that they're the ones that are responsible for this these shenanigans. Um, and it's it's a cost savings thing, absolutely. I'm sure uh, the the people that make the beer and the process of making this amazing product are just not worth the whatever profit they're making uh, from selling it. Uh, and they don't have any interest in trying to you know, make it work as opposed to just getting rid of it, cutting it off like a dead arm. So that's, that's what's happening as is what hap- is happening a lot of corporate America and co- the corporate world um, as we all well know. So um, I hope, that, you, re- hope like, that recipe gets leaked. I really do too. I, I really hope maybe they go rogue and, and do it out the back of there or, or find a place down. Come come down to San Jose. Come down to San Jose and find a place, uh, a warehouse down here where you can brew your fantastic beer um, and do it at cost and and and, and distribute it to people like uh, like myself who will drink it most voraciously. Um, I'm actually tempted to go to Costco and see if there's anything left right now. Um, so I'll see you later. <laughs> um, no, can't. Just, just kidding. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a shame. I, I was like real surprised when I saw this because I, you'd think that, you'd think that with a market as big as San Francisco for alcohol, um, that you would think that even just on a PR, like for PR, that it would be really, really bad for a, a larger brewer to just come in and destroy something like Anchor. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't. I just, even if the, even if the brewery wasn't making a lot of money or whatever, I just, I don't. It doesn't. What 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 shitty PR in like one of the biggest alcohol markets in the country? Yeah, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, but um, probably makes a lot of dollars. <sighs> well, sorry, <laughs> sorry, really bad. I, it's it's dad jokes, you know, the bad baby. I blame it. Well, we also have a Sriracha, Sriracha shortage, so let's uh, see what uh, let's see what ABC Bay Area has to say about the Sriracha shortage. Uh, Sriracha sauce is in hot demand tonight, and experts say it's due in large part to a red chili pepper shortage. Uh, The most popular brand of the spicy sauce with its iconic green top normally sells for about seven bucks, but now people are willing to pay top dollar for it. 
Only on 7, ABC 7 News reporter J.R. Stone has more on how one San Francisco restaurant is capitalizing on the craze. This shortage happened again, so then, oh my God, it's crazy. It's like 200 bucks, no way, right? Yes, Ina Jung and Lee is referring to the current price of sriracha sauce online and at some locations across the country. But you can see, sriracha is one thing that Jung and Lee has plenty of at her San Francisco Korean restaurant, The Corner Store. We currently have about 75 bottles. Because when prices dropped earlier this year, I purchased boxes of sriracha. <laughs> and then, oh my God, what am I gonna do with it? You know, I will come up with something. So she decided, why not give them away to those who purchase this new spicy hamojim dish, which her parents are now masters at cooking along with their brother. We have a lot of authentic Korean food made by Mama An and Papa Lee and my brother. We have a, a free... He doesn't get a name? Original sriracha <laughs> yeah. for you. You can also brother, brother. buy two of these soju bottles and get free sriracha, but I chose food. So this is the entree that you can get that will get you a bottle of sriracha sauce. Now, as for the taste, though... Spicy, but good. <laughs> this dish will run you about $75, but it feeds four to five people. And Jung and Lee, who runs the corner store with their husband Nick, says the deal lasts until the sriracha is gone. We're launching hot food with a hot sauce and hot place for fun. How long it takes. Oh, there's, a, there's a party in there too? Oh, yeah. Stone. Maybe even. <clears throat> Let's go. Fuck it. Fuck the rest of the show. Let's go there. ABC 7 News. Watch we find yeah, out. Some, watch we, they get busted for throwing illegal raves there. <laughs> I definitely heard of some house music up in there. So maybe they need a DJ. They'll, they'll, they'll pay you in sriracha. So it's, <clears throat> there's a, a shortage of this kind of peppers. And a lot of people are saying <clears throat> that it's probably n not specifically just climate change, but the climate change is probably accelerating whatever process is causing the climate to be inhospitable where your 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 harvests of this are going to be less or you might not be mm -hmm. able to harvest any depending upon where you are and mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> what you have to do to get this this pepper um this sucks good on them though they're just giving it away with an entree that are they they're just charging regular price for so and 75 bucks and it feeds four that's mm -hmm. that's a that's a deal in san francisco especially if it's good yeah no i'd say so uh pretty good deal and split the difference there and then you know hopefully have your last anchor brew you know at the at the same place maybe slip that in you know under the table you never know they'll let you they have a, maybe have a corkage fee right but yeah next next week we'll find out that lady hoarded like a uh, 500 kegs of california lager or something <laughs> i'm we're giving it away with a special calamari dish that's 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 great it's too bad i do like this sriracha sauce um it's oh yeah it's it's like you can't actually you kind of can't eat pho without it um, i've got some in my fridge right now i just and now i'm realizing i should probably put a cap on that for a minute just to you know just to see let's put a cap on that you could sell like an ounce of it for like uh like 40 bucks hey, hey kid hey kid you want some sriracha i got you i got your hot sauce i got you lula I got you. I got you Tabasco. Come on over. Got you Cristal. 
So, who needs to get their shit together this week? Well, it's usually the police, and it's the police, but it's like a specific portion of the police in Oakland, and it's kind of an important part of the police. Oh, great. In Oakland, yeah. So, uh, I was surprised to see that it wasn't the tower again, but maybe next week. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe next week. Oakland's 911 response system fully back up and running tonight after a power outage knocked it offline. An Alameda County grand jury recently sent out a warning that it could fail. Andrea Nakano reports it's just the latest problem to plague a dispatch center known for having one of the slowest response times in the state. That makes me feel unsafe, yeah. Paul Williams and his family recently moved from the East Coast. He wasn't surprised to hear about Oakland's 911 system being shut down due to a power outage. According to City Council Member Dan Cobb, it took about 10 minutes to get the system back online and routed through the Alameda County Sheriff's Department's dispatch center. The president of the Oakland Police Officers Association says response times were impacted as dispatchers continue to have trouble communicating electronically with officers out in the field. The dispatchers are toiling literally with papers and pen, writing down individual calls, running across the room, giving it to the dispatcher, and then sending it out to the officers in the field. The city's IT department had everything back up and running by five o'clock Friday afternoon. Earlier, the Police Officers Association said it has little confidence in Mayor Sheng Tao's administration. Here's stock footage of a after its data center that we don't have. Response to February's ransomware attack. The same folks in IT who gave us the ransomware and the res- terrible response to it are the ones responding to this. So just inherently, we have little confidence in them actually getting it fixed. The ransomware attack forced the city administrator to declare a state of emergency after network outages. Troves of personal data of employees and residents were also released onto the so-called dark web. With these issues, resident Paul Williams feels there's a lot more to be concerned about than the failure of the 911 system. It sounds weird to say this, but Oakland has so many other like infrastructure problems that it it almost is like not the highest on my list. City Council Member Dan Cobb admits there are issues to address. One that's directly linked to the 911 system is the slow response times. The wait times we've had with our 911 system have not been as short as they should be. It's such a concern that Council Member Cobb recently submitted a budget directive to look at issues such as the city's recruitment policy and retention bonuses for dispatchers. That's not because we're not trying. It's because that it's it's been a challenge to hire enough of our dispatchers on a regular basis and to retain them. The city says it is looking into what happened in hopes of preventing incidents like this one from happening in the future. Now, the city did not address the police union's criticism directly, but said in a statement, quote, work continues to resolve the contributing factors of this incident and to reinforce the systems that support emergency dispatch staff to prevent future incidents. So. <clears throat> I don't under, I could, I mean, if you gave me a team of a few people, I could solve this problem. Like you build a redundant phone system. That's voice over IP where the servers aren't in Oakland. You mm-hmm. put some of them, you put some of the phone system on AWS, you put some of it on digital ocean. And, um, and then if the power goes out, okay, your computers went out, you're going to have, a, but with these systems, you could grab a fucking cell phone and operate and continue to take calls via a cell phone. Like, and 
you could probably get a managed system where you don't even have to hire IT people. Where just one of these companies that you're getting your your cloud services from manages your phone system for you. Like and it and yeah, it's better when you have the headset and all that. Sure. But in a pinch, you have a bunch of tablets with Bluetooth ear- earphones charged up and for a short amount of time on like a like a, a wireless connection or like a like a like a, fi- a 4G connection or whatever don't no, no 5G that activates the nanobots you can still operate this <laughs> system when the power's out but uh no i guess just yeah no. that so sounds so complicated i mean <laughs> i don't want to do all that um yeah no typical public agency probably living and dealing and working with software hardware technology that's woefully out of date and no one wants to update it because no one wants to go through the process of actually doing it and asking for the money and you know going through the the rollout and having to explain it all to people who have just been doing the same thing over and over again for the past 50 years right uh it's just very typical and very annoying in fr- and not just annoying in this case it's 911. Like this is the number you tell people to call when there is an emergency. Now, granted, not every time someone calls 911 is an emergency, but still, uh, that's what we tell people to call when they're getting crimed uh, or when you know they're seeing crimes right in front of their face, and to get the busy signal or to you know have some operator come on and be like, "Your call is important to us. Please stay on the line. Would you like to have a call back in 46 minutes?" Right? Your your current wait time is. You know, that's not exactly what you want to hear when you call the emergency line because crimes are happening, right? Um, or or not even, not maybe not even, what if, you, what if you're having a heart attack, you know? Right. What if you were having a medical yeah. emergency? Sorry, yeah. yeah. I just... Even worse. So the, the, reason that, the reason that that's my suggestion is if you build it, if you build it off-site, right, you don't, you don't take down the old system. And then you can engineer the new system to operate almost exactly like the old system. There's like you you wouldn't even need to train retrain people all that much, right? You could probably use like an updated version of the same piece of software they're already using. It's just running on fucking like a data center somewhere else. Like, oh my god, I'm so fucking this stuff drives me nuts. For me to like make our own say we had to use the phone system here. I have one server for it. If I needed to make it redundant, I could just pop up I could pop up another server in New York for it. Our phone system would be fucking redundant and it wouldn't be that expensive. In fact, the price might be the same if we were being charged for usage, which nobody ever calls us, mostly because I don't run the phone system ever. But like I can't imagine that boom, boom, boom. That, that, boom, that, boom, boom. that they haven't that that this isn't how that I don't I don't I don't understand. <laughs> I was just re- remembering back to the days when the, the calls used to come flying in from like one or two listener and the the old was a Google voice yeah, yeah. ringtone. Oh God, that was beautiful. And then I, uh, then I installed a, then I I went to the trouble of setting up a a system with call waiting and uh, rooms and call queuing. And then, uh, right. Then everybody was like, well, we'll just use discord. We'll just call you via (laughs) discord. And I'm like, fine, whatever. Um, fine. Just do it here. Right. But but yeah, they need to get their shit together. And I mean, maybe, maybe they are, maybe they should blame the IT department, but maybe the IT department has pitched something similar to what I'm saying. And they were told no. Yeah. That it, more than likely that has happened. I, I would venture to guess, but um, it never hurts to if you want to reach out. I'm sure that they're taking all comers at this point. Maybe they have an open 
you know, casting call or an RFP out there. So, uh, uh, you know, check it out and see what happens. City of Oakland, they might pay pretty well. Maybe. I have enough. I have enough shit going on right now, though. I don't want to be responsible for Oakland's nine one one system. It seems like it seems like a seems like a seems like a downgrade. Even if I'm making more money, it seems like a downgrade my overall quality of life. If that's what I do instead for a while. But, but you'd be saving people's lives, producer Dave. Are we? I guess we're saving people's lives through this show. Yeah, yeah. Right? We we're, we're giving we them solace, and and so they, they they understand there's someone else out there in this crazy crazy world. Yeah, we're not we're not the number eleven. Um, uh, t- a politics podcast in California for if we're not saving lives. Actually, I think it's news podcast. I think he, oh. we're not just politics, like news uh, podcast. So I, I, I'd say that's even more baller. I wonder if when I didn't reply to give that person money, I wonder if we got taken off of that list. I'll have to go check. Well, it was just one blog, so you know maybe they do an updated blog next week, and we're not on there. But uh, you know we're coming for you, California Report, regardless, Maria. And, uh, you know, all you guys were coming. So up next is, uh, down ballot watch and it's a recall watch. Yeah. As long predicted on this show, uh, looks like, whoa, surprise. Someone's launching an official recall bid against, uh, the Alameda County DA for being soft on crimes, I guess, or just doing exactly what she said she was going to do that got her elected. Also this evening, they voted her in. Now many people in Alameda County want her to get out. A possible recall of the new district attorney. A group called the Safe Alameda for Everyone has filed paperwork with an intent to launch a recall campaign. NBC Bay Area's Gia Vang is in Alameda County with more. So she became a speaker at our rallies. Rivka Polotnik is an activist and educator who proudly wears her Pamela Price t-shirt. I was very involved in getting her elected. But Rivka and many of Alameda County District Attorney Price supporters believe the people behind the paperwork filed this month with the intent to recall her never wanted her there in the first place. Price ran a well, that's probably true, yes. the criminal justice system. She is what we need to move beyond the police, law and order, mass incarceration era. We need a more just system. We need one that's not racially biased. The tough on crime advocates of the group Safe Alameda for Everyone, or SAFE for short, are spearheading the recall attempt. We reached out to two people part of the SAFE committee who told us they're not ready to speak publicly about the efforts yet. That includes Oakland Chinatown leader Carl Chan. Time after time we're seeing so many so-called plea deals and or even charges being uh, dropped uh, is not comforting. He's shared with NBC Bay Area his displeasure with the district attorney, especially when it comes to the highly publicized and closely watched case of Jasper Wu, the toddler killed by a stray bullet on an Oakland freeway in 2021. DA Price removed special circumstances against two suspects charged with murder, eliminating life without parole. Sources have told me safe committee members have been in talks with the campaign that successfully recalled progressive SF district attorney Chesa Boudin. Here's what his successor, Brooke Jenkins, told us when asked if Price's approach was similar to Boudin's. You know, I'm well aware that she ran on a, a platform of reform, and, and I don't disagree that this system needs reform. Um, I will just continue to stand by the fact that as prosecutors, we have an obligation to uphold public safety and to advocate for victims in the courtroom and make sure that our outcomes in cases are just and fair and, and what's best for public safety overall. The Alameda County District Attorney's Office referred our request for comment on the recall attempt to Price's campaign, which didn't respond. But Price has previously addressed these criticisms in a sit-down interview. 
again, the narrative of my opponents is a failed strategy. We know that what they're talking about does not work, does not keep us safe. I won because people did not trust this office. We're here because this community did not trust this office. SAFE will now need to fundraise in order to launch the recall against Price, and it'll be costly. Initial estimates are in the millions. In Alameda County, Gia Vang, NBC, Bay Area News. I think this one has less uh, chance <clears throat> of working than the uh, San Francisco one, just because Oakland isn't, like, the problems in Oakland aren't like a big national story that people are like seeing on Fox and even like CNN and to some extent MSNBC every night. So I think that, I think that this might, this might have a little less chance of going through. Yeah. And just a less volatile political uh, space than San Francisco and a, a little uh, more, slightly more predictable political space. And you know, at the end of the day, she got elected again, doing exactly what she's doing. Uh, or, or saying she wanted to do exactly what she's doing. She's doing it. I, it's impressive to see these days when we're all so concerned with you know politicians who don't keep their promises. Well, she's doing it, and we're going to recall her. No, I, 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 I don't know. First, I, I hope they don't raise the money. Second, it'll be challenging to get the signatures. Um, and then, even if it gets to the ballot, you know, I, I could see a really strong backlash to this, especially because there are also racial undertones to this, frankly, um, that go beyond just the, uh, the whatever soft on crime or the Jasper Wu situation. Um, th there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, undercurrents here that we can explore as the, as the campaign progresses. Hopefully it doesn't progress too far, but we'll see. I think what's going to happen if the, if, if it all goes through all the turnouts going to be in Oakland and Berkeley, cause I don't think the people in like Hayward and Fremont and shit care. They can be made to care by, you know, aggressive campaigning. So that's, that's the, that's the fear, right? It's not so much the voter who doesn't know what's going on. It's the voters who don't know what's going on and then get a little bit of information and think they know what's going on and vote, um, based on that. So, and if you don't have the money to fight back, right, she, she's going to have to raise some money to, to push back on this. We'll see. But, um, if, if she's got, you know, backing from friends, labor and other folks, she can, she can beat it back. So up next, speaking of uh, labor, it appears that uh, San Jose city workers might be ready to strike because of one of the policies of uh, our mayor, Mayor Ed 209. More just that he, you know, we have a ton of vacancies at the city level and the county level, um, and you've got a lot of staff working overtime because of it, and you've got three, I think, now unions that are working in San Jose without a contract. So we'll find out what's going on and what, what we have to expect when the council comes back into session at the end of the month. City workers might be going on strike for the first time in two decades. They say they are overworked and understaffed, and a strike could be big. The two unions represent more than 4,500 city employees. That's everything from 911 dispatchers to library workers to airport staff. Last night, they held a strike school to prepare members to get ready to walk off the job. Jose Martinez has a closer look at what they're asking for. Yeah, I'm here at Happy Hollow Park and Zoo in San Jose. This is one of the many city agencies and departments that could potentially receive the impact of a worker's strike within the next few weeks. We are talking about more than 4,000 city employees asking for a raise. It's a feeling shared by many San Jose city employees like Rachel Atkins these days. It's been beyond frustrating um, to hear the same rhetoric over and over and over again. Um, that 
turning around and saying, on one hand, we're a very valuable part of this city, and on the other hand, not giving us the means to be able to live anywhere near San Jose. She's been working as a vet technician at the Happy Hollow Park and Zoo for the last seven years with a salary that she says is just not enough to survive in the Bay Area. Everything's very expensive here. I mean, we're, San Jose is constantly on the top of, or in the top, you know, whatever of um, areas that are expensive for housing, food costs, all sorts of things. Uh, me personally, um, I have to depend on somebody else. And she's not alone. She's one of the more than 4,000 city employees about to go on a strike if their unions can't get an agreement with the city regarding a contract that expired on June 30th. Our coalition of unions represents 4,500 people who are out there right now working without a contract. They're not, their future is not certain. They, they're, they're unaware of what their, their wage increases are going to look like. What, uh, they're unaware of what future working conditions are going to be. To put it in perspective, both unions are asking for a 7% salary increase for the 2023-2024 fiscal year, a 6% increase the following year, and a 5% increase the third year, also eight weeks of family leave. But the city says they can do 5% the first year, 4% in the second year, and 3% in the third year. We're always figuring out how do we pay our workers as, as fairly and competitively as we possibly can without having to cut city services. It doesn't do us any good to pay high wages if we're cutting services at the same, at the same point. And so we're always trying to find that balance. It's a tough balance to strike. But Rachel tells me that's not good enough and she's ready to go on a strike if she has to. I'm ready for that, yes. Um, and of course, we would still be taking care of the animals here. Now, John tells me that the union is already preparing its members to go on strike if they don't get an agreement by August 8th. Well, <clears throat> I'll be out of here. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about your services, producer Dave. You will be fine up there in, in uh, the East Bay uh, in, in points uh, undisclosed. But yes, uh, well, Mayor Ed 209 likes to talk about how, well, we have to balance people and services. It's not a zero-sum game or whatever they call it, right? It's the same thing. The services are provided by people. You pay people to provide the services. You pay people to do the work. Um, you, you, know, you can create as many algorithms as you want um, and sell them to Pinterest, but it's not going to solve the problem of services are provided by people. An algorithm is not going to go out and fix the pothole. An algorithm is not going to keep your library open on a Sunday and teach your, help teach your child, right? Uh, the, an algorithm is not going to, for lack of a better example, come when crimes are happening, right? And and help solve them or help stop the crimes, right? Um, the algorithm might help us better solve crimes, but the, it's people. At the end of the day, it's people, and you have to pay people well for them to do their jobs well, and you have to give them support so that they do not fall apart and they don't go go crazy doing public service, which is a really thankless job in the first place. Soapbox. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's unfortunate with San Jose, with San Jose, you know, not having any rich people and there being like no largesse in San Jose for them to, you know, find a way to uh, do any of this stuff. It's, uh, it must be real tough. It is really hard. Um, it's painful, really, that we're just such an impoverished um, Almaden and Willow Glen communities, you know, uh, 
but we have that's the thing it's the, it, we have stark contrast in the city for real we have we have areas of extreme poverty in san jose that are right up against communities of wealth and 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 uh, on, it's on the east side and the west side the north side and the south side uh and no one seems to want to admit it no one seems to want to say it everyone just wants to you know, push it aside um except for the folks who are feeling it the worst right the but the the hoity-toits they just want to talk about how San Jose is becoming a cesspool of open-air drug use. So, <clears throat> you know, I, this is, I remember when I lived in Campbell, um, somebody, well, like, somebody was like, oh, you live, in the, <clears throat> you live in the part of Campbell with affordable housing, and my friend Simon was there, and he's like, hey, I bought my house in, like, 2005, and I bet my mortgage is less than homeboy's rent. That's... <laughs> Then we compared notes true. and it, 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 it was, it was, you know, pretty close actually, but he had like a four bedroom, two story house, like five minute walk from the Campbell Avenue. And you know, and it's like, I lived in an apartment and it's like, yo, that's like, there's affordable housing. Get the fuck out of here. Something wrong with that. Right. Like something wrong with this picture. Um, anyway, well, more than likely, uh, you know, the reason why you're paying such high rents is because, you know, we're just, we, again, we're living in a cesspool of, of drug use and vandalism and crimes. And, you know, someone's going to do something about it. Oh, I God. Yeah, this story, this is great. This is great. It's like, um, I remember The Wire. I remember a Amsterdam and The Wire where they, they were just allowed all the drug users to run wild. That's, a, sure. that's actually what they're doing over there, um, over there just right next to Japantown. You just, you know, oh, you, yeah. you just don't drive by it, so you don't see it. Right. Yeah. Okay, the they don't want it in San Jose. We're talking about open-air drug use and drug sales downtown. So tonight, the mayor called on police and key players to figure it out. NBC Barry Stephanie Magallon was the only... Figure it out. And Stephanie, what's the plan? Well, there was a lot of discussion, but let me tell you, there was homeowners associations, there's residents, the mayor, SJPD, and San Jose State Police all in one room learning about what's working and what needs to change as neighbors notice new faces downtown. This new is what faces. downtown San Jose looks like tonight. Families walking and a few campers. This was the same neighborhood about two weeks ago when we first brought to light concerns over a growing open-air drug market, prompting the city to act, and now this. Uh, waking up in the morning, coming out, I see byproduct, uh, meth, uh, pipes on the, on, the, on the sidewalk there. A discussion about resources and a plan of attack between Mayor Matt Mahan. And adding community service officers to supplement our downtown walking patrol. San Jose police. But if you're really going to try to impact this problem, you got to try to go to the source. HOA leaders and community members who are following the new initiative to disrupt the open air drug market in San Francisco and are now concerned San Jose will become its new home. But now we're, we're seeing a lot of new faces coming here. And, and if we don't take action right now with, with arrest. Mayor Matt Mahan tells us that's why the city is being proactive with increased patrols, but that's just the beginning. Police response doesn't solve all of our problems. We need to house people. We need to train people and get them into jobs. We need more treatment, particularly inpatient treatment options. In just the last year, SJPD has made over 4,600 drug-related arrests, 439 of those just downtown. But they can't arrest everyone, particularly those using drugs. We've had a very large presence downtown. I think we've been impactful. Uh, you heard tonight neighbors 
uh, appreciative of the greater visibility of the police department. And to the extent we are able to do that, we are going to continue. Since our reporting, residents say they've seen an increase in arrests. One of those led to an hours-long standoff just days ago. I think I think it's a, a very good start, but it also um, really um, encourages neighbors to be more actively involved in the community. If we keep this momentum together, it's going to make a big difference. Mayor Matt Mahan says these meetings will continue, but next is meeting with policymakers, something he says the community needs to be a part of. Raj. Where the fuck is this open air drug market? I have no earthly idea um i've i get around in san jose so I, I would have seen something like this if if it existed i don't know that it does i mean it more no more so than you know open air drug use exists in any other again city in the, this country or any other country um and probably less so in san jose than anywhere else and as far as a, a populated you know city with, with a population of our size so uh I, I think it's a, what is it, a solution in search of a problem or whatever they want to call it, but it I, certainly plays into, it plays into Mayor Ed 209's, you know, philosophy, general philosophy and his whole narrative about cleaning up the city and the city's going to shit and everyone should be scared out of their wits. I think <clears throat> this is because people believe the Tenderloin is an open air drug market, which there mm. may be elements of that in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. In fact, I've spent a lot of my adult life living in and partying in San Francisco and mm -hmm. you know, we don't avoid the tenderloin or whatever, but you know what you're getting into right. when you walk through the tenderloin, you know? Sure. And, um, sure. that's fine. You know, you just, it's like, like anywhere else. You just kind of keep your wits about you and make, make sure you make sure you're walking with purpose and you look like, you know, where you're going and whatever. Um, but I think this isn't happening in San Jose and they're using the fact that it's a big new national story in San Francisco to drum up people to get fucking scared of it so that they can mm -hmm. further criminalize the poor and the homeless. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I absolutely believe it. Uh, and it's, it, you know, it again, plays right into the narrative, uh, especially with this mayor's election coming up again, a re-election campaign coming up pretty much right away. Um, he's got to make some, some big splashy headlines, get on the news, looking tough and he's looking tough. Right. And, but he's also compassionate. We need to find solutions for people, but we can't just sweep them off the streets. Yeah, that's what that's exactly what you're promising to do. Exactly what you're promising all these folks that you're going to do is, is clean it up. Make some arrests, like I said. Make some arrests. These new faces in the neighborhood. Arrest these people. They're not from here. They're not us. I wonder if anybody at that meeting asked, where is the open air drug market? I doubt it. They, <laughs> they, were, all, they were all there because they believe it exists. I, but I don't think anyone really, if you'd asked would have told you where they just all believe that it exists and that this that, you know because they saw it in the news is this gonna they be saw, a, is this gonna is this a self-fulfilling prophecy maybe that where they're gonna create one this is an nbc bay area self uh, investigative unit self-fulfilling prophecy this is like a big odd shaban special right this it's it, it you know we've, we've just created a a problem where really none exists but we're going to harp on it and win some awards and get all of your neighbors pissed off about it. Well, it's good to see the city of Berkeley kind of go in the other way, but that's sort of what you might expect from the city of Berkeley when the rest of the rest of the area is being like, let's get tough on drugs. The city of Berkeley was like, ah, what if we instead 
New at 10, a meeting is underway tonight in Berkeley, where the city council is expected to vote on a resolution that could decriminalize psychedelic plants. KTV's Alyssa Harrington joins us live from outside the meeting. Alyssa. You mean shrooms? That's right. And the city council has been meeting now since 6 p.m. on a number of items, but we still do not know the results to this one. Now, what this is, is it would not decriminalize psychedelics, but instead make personal use among the lowest priorities of enforcement. See her as being a, a Psychedelic reform was on the agenda at the Berkeley City Council meeting Tuesday. Trippy. Legislation sponsored by City Council member Sophie Hahn would deprioritize enforcement of laws around psychedelics. This means Berkeley police would likely no longer arrest people for personal possession or use of psychedelic drugs like magic mushrooms and ayahuasca. Berkeley has long been a leader on progressive legislation when it comes to criminal justice and cannabis reform in particular. Tonight's resolution builds on that legacy. Ahead of the meeting, we asked some people around town if they supported this change in policy. I say go for it. Yeah, I don't have, I don't see. He's like, I'm shrooming right now. <laughs> Shrooms are pretty fun. Chippy. Uh, they shouldn't be illegal. No one should be going to jail for just trying to have like nice little time, expand their mind a little bit. The legislation I mean, <laughs> if that haircut is the result, I don't know. Synthetic drugs like LSD or MDMA. It also mm. does not include peyote, a small hallucinogenic mm. cactus. Some speakers at the meeting asked the city council to reconsider this, saying peyote is used in healing ceremonies. There's a lot of native people here in California and the U.S. that need to still stay traditional. The legislation only covers personal use and possession. Gifting, selling, or administering hallucinogens would still be prohibited. This is to try and discourage the sale of psychedelics. You can't share? Aww. The Bay Area cities, Oakland and Santa Cruz, have already deprioritized enforcement around psychedelics. Reporting live in Berkeley, I'm Alyssa Harrington, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Something we'll continue to watch. Alyssa, thank that's, you. That's that's good. I, mean, I don't know why they wouldn't include peyote. I mean, it's like an easy thing to do. Like, that doesn't, like, very few people actually do it. Quick um, amendment. Yeah, no, should be no problem. I, I wonder if Alyssa Harrington's ever gotten uh, tripped out on some really fabulous mushrooms. I don't really like mushrooms. I wish they would have included LSD and MDMA because those are two things that I do like. But yeah, I mean, if they're going to do hallucinogens, right? They're going to go that way. They you need to go all the way. I think you need to do. I think maybe the na the naturalistic fallacy maybe at work here, where you think maybe. something's better because it's it's supposedly natural. I think it's just because they were people really want to do ayahuasca. That's a really trendy. A lot drug of tech right bros. Now, I think Par yeah, a lot of tech bros at their little parties, you know, their little bacchanalian parties. Um, they they do that shit. So maybe maybe that was the impetus in the first place. And really, I heard, that it's, I heard that it's horrible and that you puke and shit yourself. Well, it's far be it for me to tell someone how to live their life. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a thing. I've got a little creature I w willingly created that poops and pisses all over me. So well, it's fair like, you know. Anyway, but I we we love them to death. So <clears throat> we we did almost perfect on time this this week. Well, I was almost going to say, stay tuned for bingo. Oh, yeah, um, we're doing bingo after this. And, uh, yeah, so uh, Sunnyvale's beloved pet was returned after a dog sitter foiled an extortion plot. This is fantastic. This is this could have been an episode of Burn Notice. <laughs> Let's just play the clip. I was really surprised to hear what I thought was a good Samaritan now demanding $1,000 for a dog. 
A rocky return of a beloved family pet. The pup was found after wandering away from a South Bay home, but was not reunited until police got involved. That's because the person who found the dog wanted money in exchange for a safe return. KTV South Bay reporter Jesse. There's a way to go about that. You go, hey, is there any reward? I, you know, I'm going to give you your dog back, but is there any reward? And most people kick you, some, kick you like a hundred bucks or something, right? Yeah, right. Three years ago, Norm, a bearded collie, went Norm. from being a child's Christmas gift to a linchpin member of this family foursome. His name comes from a character popular in the 1980s sitcom Cheers. <laughs> Does that dog drink? Person's personality went missing. It's one of those good news stories because it has a happy ending, but the reality of it as it was happening was completely different. Owners Zach and Lindsay and their 10-year-old daughter were in the Central Valley on vacation. Norm, staying with a dog sitter, wandered away through a gate left open by a delivery person. The sitter asked we conceal her identity. I'm dog sitting and trying to be responsible for somebody's family member, and the dog's not only missing, but being held for ransom. Sunnyvale police say Zach and Lindsay got a call from Ahmed Rahish Najib, saying he found Norm near their Sunnyvale home. But his offer to return the pooch turned into extortion. He said, no, I've changed my mind. I'm taking him to my house. And if you don't sell me $1,000, you'll never see him again. Zach called the frantic dog sitter as the family drove home. She engaged Najib in a text conversation, promising to fork over $300 in cash and 200 via Zelle. But... It was all just a ploy. My biggest goal in speaking to him or texting with him was to just keep the conversation going, try to get to know him a little bit better, to establish some rapport so I had a better chance or at least could buy more time until the police like could get episode involved. Episode 24. Dog guy. So right. uh, I was immediately... No beating, though. And uh, <laughs> pretty motivated to, to help them out and, and try to find the dog. Three hours later, with the police nearby, the dog sitter meets with the suspect, with Norm in tow. Sunnyvale police then move in to make the arrest and recover the dog. I never felt safe until we finally did get that. We got him. Najib posted $20,000 bail and was released from the main Santa Clara County Jail Tuesday evening. He'll next be in court on September 11th, facing charges of extortion and grand theft. In the South Bay, Jesse Gary, KTVU Fox That's 2. fucking crazy. Like yeah, I said, seriously. you can be like, hey, you know, I found your dog and everything's safe. And, um, you know, I'm a little, 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 little hard on my luck. Is there any reward money available? And then yeah. the person, the person says they're likely to just give you a hundred bucks or something. Just take the fucking hundred bucks. <laughs> seriously. Uh, if you're going to be a dick, just, you know, be a, be a prudent dick. Well, that's not even, that's not even dickish. You could just ask is, you know, did you post any signs with any rewards? I'm happy to return your dog, but yeah. No, I'm going to return oh, your dog either way. I'll, you'll have your dog back in an hour. I was just wondering if there's any reward money available. That's big, that's it. Big fluffy dog. Aww. What a, what a, what a cool dog too. I'm not into dogs, yeah. although it seemed a little jumpy. Don't like dogs that jump on you. Do not like well, that. But that one dog that I met at your house that one time. Oh my god, I thought that dog was going to kill me. Your friend's dog or whatever. <laughs> she, she she's a good she's a good one. She she was just you know making sure that uh, the house was safe um, and and protected from squirrels. Um, always her, always her. I mean, I did show up dressed as a giant squirrel. So that's, yeah, I mean, we have to understand that that more than likely played some sort of role, um, in her response. So, uh, that's another thing for this week. Uh, please be sure to keep your dogs on a leash when you're out walking them, especially in strange areas. 
um, and uh, mine them when they're in the yard as well. Yep. And uh, all right, councilman, you want to read us out? Yeah, why not? Um, thank you as, as always for joining me here, producer Dave, and for mining the the dials uh, and keeping us sounding just pimping. Uh, this has been down ballot, uh, one of uh, <laughs> one of the top eleven news podcasts in California. We really thank you for joining us this week. Stay tuned for uh, Conspiracy Bingo and all of the fantastic programming Echoplex Media has to offer. Remember to get vaxxed. Remember to wear your mask. Pants are completely optional. And this is Audible Smoke. Enjoy your weekend. Peace out. <laughs> To get the party started Pick up my phone Just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice For the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car Just to get to where they are Here at the local scene Is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette And I hold my drink I look at all my friends They're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage Waiting for FTV Where are those guys Who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand Ready to blaze for me About five minutes later We're all singing queen Now get the fuck up on stage and like the scene, yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car To smoke another one And another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing And you know it's time to head in Alright everybody now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it And then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. Last up on the field for the show tonight is down and dirty in five, so we're headed outside to spark up another joint. Now who's got my light? A stoner E, of course. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the U.S. economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Now inside motherfuckers is rocking me And outside shit we smoke a lot of rockin' Rockin' the rollie, you the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppin' We do what we want What we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Dance with and enjoy the band We do what we want we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band.
like what we're doing here at Echoplex Media, well, head on over to echoplexmedia.com support. There are a bunch of great ways to support this project. My favorite, always, is the merch.